Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Joe McCormick. My regular co-host, Robert Lamb, is not with me today. I'm recording this one solo, but Rob is going to be back on mic with us tomorrow. Today is Monday, the day of the week we typically read back some messages that you, all of you out there, have launched into the mail harvester. And by the way, if you've never written into the show before and you'd like to get in touch to give feedback, uh, corrections, commentary on a previous topic, or if you just want to share something interesting or say a friendly hello, you can always reach us at contact at stuff to blow your mind.com. Uh, by the way, happy new year, everyone. If you are listening from an unsustainably crowded gym or YMCA, good luck with that. Uh, today's mailbag might be a little bit weird due to holiday outages. I think all of these messages came in several weeks ago now, but we will do our best to get caught up to more recent emails in the coming weeks. All right, first up. In response to our episodes on the reptiles of the Galapagos, specifically our focus on the marine iguana, or as uh, one great scientist maligned them, those stupid, hideous-looking creatures, Lurch writes the following. Good morning, gentlemen. I think it was near the end of part two on the Galapagos reptiles when you mentioned the marine iguanas have slightly webbed feet, but you didn't see an evolutionary reason for the feature since they aren't used in swimming. Uh, yes, or at least uh, in our unexpert opinion, they didn't appear to be used in swimming. So, you know, maybe they are in some subtle way. But uh, anyway, going on with Lurch's message. I happened to be out romping with dog at the time, uh, and this is dog with capital D, so I think Lurch here is referring to his dog who is named dog. 
So uh, he's out romping with dog at the time he uh, listened to that episode uh, as he enjoyed about 18 inches of snow being half Malamute cold weather and snow are like a birthday party for him every day. At the time he raised the question, there was another dog, a German shepherd trying to keep up. He couldn't because he had to wade through an extra foot of snow. The dog ran on top of. While all dogs, as far as I'm aware, have webbed feet, what I call snow dogs seem to be able to deliberately spread their toes, bringing that webbing into play on snow and, of course, mud. This has the effect of spreading their weight over a larger area, letting them sink less. I've not seen any studies or anything on this. I'm basing it by comparing dog's footprint on pavement to that in snow. In the snow, his footprint is nearly twice the size of the one on pavement. How is this relevant? I know next to nothing about the Galapagos Islands, but I wonder if the webbing on the iguanas might be of use when crossing sand. Well, Lurch, uh, I do not recall this observation about dogs uh, having sort of natural snowshoes ever crossing my mind before, but I thought this was a really interesting observation about dog paws. So I decided to look it up in the zoology literature. And it seems to me like you are exactly right about snow dogs and especially their near wild ancestor, the gray wolf. So I was looking at a book called Wolves, Behavior, Ecology and Conservation, edited by uh, L. David Metch and Luigi Boitani. This was from University of Chicago Press, 2007. And this is in a chapter by uh, Metch, the, one of the editors, and Rolf O. Peterson on wolf-prey relations, specifically the effects of snow and other weather conditions on interactions between wolves and the animals they hunt. One really cool ob observation the authors make here, they say that during midwinter thaws, wolves will sometimes sleep through the afternoon in the early evening and then wake up to hunt prey in the nighttime. Why is this? The authors suggest it's because the wolves are waiting for the temperature to drop at night, which facilitates the formation of a crust on the top layer of snow, which plays to their advantage during pursuit of prey. And so the main effect of snow on wolves' primary prey animals is to slow them down and hinder their movements because they're wading through these big drifts. But that's not always the case with the wolves themselves and certainly not to the same extent. So here, uh, Mitch and Peterson write, quote, most prey probably have a heavier foot loading than do wolves, so they would sink deeper and be hindered more than wolves. Estimates for foot loading in deer, for example, range from 211 grams per cubic centimeter to 431 to 1,124 grams per cubic centimeter, whereas for wolves, the estimate is about 103 grams per cubic centimeter. Ungulates are usually much heavier than wolves and possess hard hooves that puncture snow much more easily than the spreading, webbed toes of a wolf foot. This difference can tilt the balance toward wolves during predation attempts on animals from the size of deer to bison. So this comes back to that observation that wolves might sometimes uh, sleep through a warmer part of the day in midwinter to wake up in the dark and hunt. The crust that forms on top of the snow in the cold night air will support a wolf running on it, uh, running on its naturally webbed biological snowshoes. Uh, and I think the technical term for the webbing between the toes is interdigital webbing. 
but a deer hoof will punch right through that crust and get stuck in the snow. So the deer will be unable to run at top speed. And uh, I guess the question is, do modern domestic dog breeds like the Malamute have similar abilities? I didn't find any scientific research on this, but it seems to be just common knowledge among dog breeders that Arctic breeds like the Malamute and the Husky and so forth have characteristics that make them move well in the snow. And I found an article on the American Kennel Club website, which does describe the Malamute as having broad paws that help distribute their weight over a larger surface area so they can run on the top of the snow. So Lurch, I think your observation about your half Malamute dog is probably exactly correct. And also probably not just a breed trait specific to the, the Malamute and the Husky and so forth, but uh, sort of an ancestral trait that goes all the way back to, to their wolf ancestors or wolf-like ancestors. Now, as for marine iguanas, I couldn't say. I couldn't say if movement on sand would have anything to do with it, though uh, obviously I don't think the snow crust principle would really apply to sand unless there's some kind of sand crust uh, phenomenon I've never heard of. So I don't know, uh, but interesting idea. Anyway, uh, Lurch's email goes on from here. Lurch writes, Iguanas hold a small, special spot in my heart. In the aftermath of Hurricane Hugo, 1989 as I recall, I spent six weeks in the Virgin Islands as part of an emergency communications team. Nobody had electricity, including the hotel at which we stayed. So we left our doors and windows open at night to take advantage of the breeze. The third night, I dreamt I was being buried alive. Rather terrifying. But wait, it gets worse. When I jerked awake and opened my eyes, I was nose to nose with the ugliest face I'd ever seen. The moonlight decidedly did not help. Teleportation is possible. But when I'd stopped screaming, I was awake enough to realize I had been cuddled by three rather large iguanas, one of which had decided sleeping on top of me was a good joke. For the remainder of my stay, I always had at least one iguana share my bed at night. Seriously cool. Lurch. Uh, wow. Well, that's a great story. Anybody else out there have that experience? Please write in if you've had iguanas crawl into bed with you. I, I don't think pets count. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed a hundred thousand miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, this next message comes from Carl. Carl says, Dear Rob and Joe, firstly, congratulations to Joe and family on their new arrival. Hope all are well and happy. Thank you very much, Carl. Uh, we all are indeed well and happy. In fact, I my first attempt at recording this uh, episode, I had the creature on, on my chest in the baby Bjorn with me here. I was like, surely we can make this work. You know, she's just sleeping uh, yeah, she she can be my sort of silent co-host, but the problem was she was not silent at all. In fact, she was she was breathing like Darth Vader, and it absolutely came through on the recording. So rather than have all the the Darth Vader breathing and the goblin snarls and all that, uh, I decided to uh, to wait to record this at at another time. So here we are. Uh, but maybe in the future she'll she'll join me on mic when uh, she's not quite so loud. Carl's message goes on. On to eggs consumed raw. Now, this must be related to the episode that Rob and I did on eggnog. Carl writes, when in Peru, May 2014, we drank many Pisco Sours, the national cocktail of Peru. One was served to us at the first opportunity on arrival and about every chance after that for two and a half weeks. It's made with Peruvian Pisco as the base liquor, uh, fresh squeezed lemon juice, simple syrup, ice, egg white, and Angostura bitters. It's shaken to a froth, strained into a glass, and topped with a few drops of Angostura bitters. Quite tasty. By the way, the cocktail was invented by an American bartender, Victor Morris, in Peru in the, late uh, in the early 1900s. 
Pisco is a high-proof local unrefined brandy that makes up most of the drink after ice. Maybe there's enough alcohol to kill any salmonella, but we never became ill or heard of anyone else becoming ill from drinking Pisco Sours which were even dispensed from vending machines in one remote area. I decided to serve them at a dinner after we, after we returned home, but I used pasteurized egg whites from a carton. I still have the bottle of Pisco in my cabinet. It's not something you would enjoy over the rocks, say, and has no other uses I know of. But since it's been around before Pisco Sours were invented, it must have other uses. As always, I enjoy your podcasts. Uh, it's good to have Joe back, Carl. Oh, well, thank you, Carl. It, it's good to be back. I've never tried a Pisco Sour. I will say I, I don't know if I would uh, fully count on the alcohol content of a cocktail to kill salmonella bacteria that might might be present in a contaminated egg, especially immediately, because you might remember they found in one of those experiments we talked about in the eggnog episode that it actually took several days, uh, from several days up to several weeks for a batch with 20% alcohol content uh, to become sterile. And I think the more likely explanation for the fact that you never became sick after drinking one of these drinks is that you just never got a contaminated egg. Like most eggs are fine. Uh, the CDC used to cite an estimate that it was about one out of every 20,000 eggs produced annually in the United States that carried salmonella. And uh, by the way, I. After the episode, I, I tried to look up and find the original source of that claim, and I believe it is a paper called Estimating the Annual Fraction of Eggs Contaminated with Salmonella in Teratitis in the United States. And this was by Eric Ebel and Wayne Schlosser, published in the International Journal of Food Microbiology in the year 2000. Now, that number may have changed in the last 22 years, one out of every 20,000. If so, hopefully it's even lower, but I have not found a more recent estimate. So as far as I know, that's that's still the most recent guess anybody's uh, come up with. Now, what does all that mean? I'm, of course, not advising people to eat raw eggs. You definitely do not want to get salmonella. It is awful. Uh, so caution with raw eggs is great. But also, I mean, no reason to be overly fearful. Most eggs are fine. All right, on to the next message. This one comes from Chuck, also concerning egg-based cocktails related to our eggnog episode, uh, another discussion of the Pisco Sour, and our vault episodes on the invention of the mirror and various psychological effects related to mirrors. Chuck says, Dear Robert and Joe, Happy holidays and great tidings to you both, and congratulations to Joe on the new addition to the family. These are the days that will seem so long and yet will vanish faster than you could imagine. Uh, how true that is. And then Chuck takes a paragraph here to say some very kind things about the show. Uh, but then he goes on to say, I'm writing specifically because of your eggnog episode. Personally, I want to like eggnog more than I actually do. Every year I'm tempted by the ingredients and try a glass, but then I find it particularly revolting. Maybe it's the type of rum that's in it. I do recall, however, that back in the 1980s, when I was a latchkey kid, Carnation made an eggnog flavored powder you put in milk as an instant breakfast. Oh boy. <laughs> um, to my little brain, the flavor was amazing, but it could only be purchased as part of a mixed box of instant breakfasts containing vanilla, strawberry, and chocolate flavors. I think my desire to like eggnog comes from that nostalgia. That being said, I will no doubt keep trying eggnog every year to see if I strike gold. 
You guys also mentioned a dearth of egg-based cocktails. If no one else has said this to you, uh, and as you see now, we got several messages about this, but uh, Chuck says, I'd like to offer up the Pisco Sour. Pisco is a brandy from Peru. I was introduced to the liquor by my wife, who is originally from the Peruvian city of Chiclayo. There are myriad varieties of Pisco. Pisco sours are kind of the national cocktail of Peru. Though Chile and Bolivia may claim Pisco, they, as my wife says, are wrong. Basic Pisco sours are made up of Pisco, egg whites, sweet syrup, and some lime juice. This is shaken with ice to foam the egg whites and mix well, and then the ice is strained out when you pour it into a glass. A few drops of Angostura bitters and you have an amazing drink I heartily recommend. Chuck goes on to say two asides. To set this first one up, it's going to reference a a series of studies we talked about in our episodes on mirrors. These studies identified what has been called the strange face in the mirror effect, which is a phenomenon where if you put people in a room with dim lighting and you have them stare at their face in the mirror for at least 10 minutes, the majority of subjects will report strange visual hallucinations and illusions, including everything from uh, blurring and deformations of the facial features to seeing their face as another face entirely, either belonging to another person, known or unknown, or changing into a cat or a pig or an alien, or a monkey monster. And basically all uh, respondents uh, reported that in some way they came to see their face uh, after prolonged staring in low light as as other in some way, as somehow not belonging to them, or or had some kind of dissociative experience. Uh, So the main study here was called The Strange Face in the Mirror Illusion by Giovanni B. Caputo in the journal Perception in 2010, but it's been replicated under a variety of conditions in other studies since. Anyway, from here, Chuck writes, One, I read a book when I was a teenager about exploring your past lives. Oh, boy. I can't remember the title or author, but one of the techniques in it was to stare in a mirror at length in dim lighting until you, quote, see the faces you had in those previous lives. I'd forgotten all about this, but it rushed forward in my memories during your mirror episodes, and I've been meaning to write you to let you know. Apparently, this staring in a mirror in the dimness technique was known and written about at least 35 years ago by metaphysical believers. It's cool to get the true science about this now. Yeah, that that is really interesting, Chuck. Uh, and it's interesting about using the mirror to allegedly see faces of past lives, specifically because uh, of a similar thing in, in Caputo's study. A full 18% of respondents in that uh, research reported seeing their own face transformed in some way to resemble one of their parents' faces. And of course, seeing like a parent or an ancestor seems maybe to to suggest a similar strain of thinking to like seeing a past life but there was another part of the result that was that uh, an there was an aggregate category of hallucinations which included seeing quote an archetypal face such as that of an old woman a child or a portrait of an ancestor now i suppose the the causation here if there is any could go either way it could be that the strange face in the mirror illusion naturally uh, tends to cause a substantial fraction of people to hallucinate their own face as transforming into that of of a parent or what they believe to be the face of an ancestor. And that could give rise to this idea that you see past lives of your own in a mirror. 
Or it could be that if people widely believed you could see past lives uh, by turning down the lights and gazing into the looking glass, that might have, in fact, primed people to report stuff like this in these experiments. Uh, so interesting. I wonder how widely um, believed that that thing that you read in the book was. Uh, one last thing about the the strange face in the mirror illusion. An interesting finding of subsequent studies was that a mirror was not strictly part of the illusion. Instead, the necessary ingredients seemed to be dim light conditions, time, and a face, though not necessarily the reflection of your own. Because there was another study that I think was also done by Caputo in 2013 which found similar effects simply by having people stare at each other's faces, intersubjective facial gazing for prolonged periods in low light. And that this also produced kind of strange hallucinatory or, or perceptive uh, illusion effects uh, if, if you did it long enough. Anyway, back to Chuck's message. And this is the second part of his, his two-part uh, tangent. Uh, two, probably everyone that writes has a Weird House Cinema suggestion. And if I may, I suggest Big Trouble in Little China. Not only is it my favorite movie ever, but I know you guys reference it all the time. Uh, and you've said that you should do a John Carpenter movie. I've seen it so many times, I generally fail to realize how just plain weird the movie is. It was so odd that the marketing had no idea what to do with it. It dealt with themes and characters no one in the West had any deep knowledge of. And the main character, the awesome Kurt Russell, of course, was actually the sidekick the whole time. I suspect many of your listeners have seen this very quotable film, but a Weird House examination would be greatly appreciated. Uh, yeah, Rob and I do mention this movie a lot. It's 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 a it's a common, <laughs> it's a house favorite. Uh, finally, Chuck says, "Thank you for taking the time to read this. You guys rock. May you have a great 2023. Sincerely, Chuck." Right back at you, Chuck. All right. Well, I think that does it for today's mailbag. But we will be back with more of your messages next week. And in the meantime. If you're new to the show, you can check out all of our other episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Mondays, we read listener mail. Tuesdays and Thursdays are our core Stuff to Blow Your Mind episodes. Those are usually about science and culture in some way. Wednesdays are our short-form episodes. Those are called The Artifact or sometimes The Monster Fact. Fridays, we do a movie show. Rob and I just kick back and talk about a strange film, good or bad, on a series we call Weird House Cinema. Saturdays, we haul out an episode from The Vault. And Sundays, we publish nothing at all. Uh, big thanks to our audio producer, Max Williams. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The wait is almost over. 
Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.